Before we start, I just want to say, everybody relax, settle down, okay? Settle down, relax. Summer League. <laughs> it's Summer League. Relax, okay? Relax. I am Josh So Focused. And I'm French the Bro Host, and this is... The next take, the next take, the next take, the next take, the next take podcast. And if you didn't know, we're a weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing next news of the week. If you want to find us on our socials, you can check us out first on Twitter at the next take, then shoot over to YouTube and search next take videos. And if you rather follow on Instagram, you'll be able to find us at the next take. And lastly, you could check us out on Facebook at Nick's, Nick's Take Media. So we will start off with a cleanup from last week. We were stumbling over trying to figure out Kemba Walker's buyout. So we're going to start off talking about buyout procedure and explanation, explanations of how that works. And we'll also get into what I was talking about, which is called a set-off. So, buyout procedure. When a team and a player want to split or part ways, they mutually agree that the, play, agree that the player will be waived. The player's agent and the team negotiate what portion of a player's contract will need to be forfeited to set him free. Sometimes a player has to give everything up to leave, other times, it's just a portion of his salary, just like it was for Kemba Walker, who gave up $20 million over the next two years. When a player is waived, he becomes an unrestricted free agent, eligible to sign with any team interested. A player cannot be a free agent until he clears waivers first, which is what we were talking about last week with Kemba Walker clearing waivers. What are waivers? Waivers is the 48-hour period where teams are allowed to bid on a player's contract. And if they win the bid, that player no longer enters unrestricted free agency, which means that a team's bid for the opportunity to pay for that player's contract. Obviously, nobody wanted to pay Kemba Walker the $30-plus million contract that he had before he was waived, so he cleared the waivers. Instead, he signs with the team that placed the winning bid, bid. The team making the bid has to be able to fit the player's existing contract into its payroll or an unused salary cap exception. A team has to be able to sign a player with its own cap space, with which no team's actually having that much cap space. No team could claim him on waivers. The old team is only on the hook to pay a player whatever they've agreed to. Teams are sometimes allowed to save money by setting off a portion of whatever the player's new contract is, but the right to set off is usually waived as part of buyout negotiations. Now, what I was talking about last week was the set off, right? If there was, 
an agreement to set off Kemba's contract, then whatever they signed for, that would go towards the old contract. Now, there's a reminder about a set-off process that I found on Twitter, which basically said that French was right. He made most of his money back in this process. The process where it's not automatically in every buyout slash waiver. In addition, a set-off is not applied until after the season completes. So, OKC received no further cap relief outside of what they agreed to in that Kemba Walker buyout process. So, hopefully, some of you who were confused after hearing us last week or didn't really understand the buyout process enlightened you a little bit. Now, let's get to it. The Summer League. Everybody relax. (laughs) This was right after we finished recording, right? We finished recording. Mm Mm-hmm. I had a bold prediction. Now you may proceed. Well, your your bold prediction was that who? Well, actually, Mm-mm, you asked no, the question. No, no. Just keep reading. Who? Who? <laughs> who was going to have a monster game because everyone breakout. had one, a breakout game. And in this game, the Knicks beat the Cleveland Cavaliers with monster performances from Obi Toppin. Miles McBride, and lastly, Quentin Grimes, who led, who led the Knicks in scoring and had his breakout performance, which French predicted. I just I wrote that down before you even got a chance to like look at it in pre-pro just so you could read it on air. <laughs> I mean, I looked at it and I thought about skipping it. But yeah. I said, you know what? Come on now. If you listened last week, you know French predicted it, so whatever. <laughs> They had control of this game from the beginning of the game and eventually built their lead to 22 points. Mm -hmm. Quentin Grimes played more aggressively than at any point before in Summer League. He shot the lights out, 6-14 from three, pulled a little bit of everything out of the bag. Grimes finished with 28 points, six boards, four assists, and one steal. Now, I was watching this game, and it was boring to me. Because it was clear the Knicks were going to win, even when the score was going back and forth. I was like, "Yeah, I'm not really." Yeah, or oh, Evan Mobley but wasn't even playing. I, I, I yeah. I, but I watched the replays before we recorded, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, you know what, Grimes? He had he had some stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he did some things that I'd never seen him do before this game. He had a little, you know, dribble game. He had a little driving game, and he shot crazy." But for some reason, after watching this game, I still think that I liked Miles McBride' performance better. Because he's more efficient. Yeah. It seemed like everything he put up was going in. Had a low-key but super efficient game and his lone start at the point guard position. And he still played less minutes than Grimes. Shot an amazing 64% from field, 62% from three. Like, you, <laughs> I said 60 Four and sixty-two. That's that kind of makes me scared a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Are scared for him or scared for the league? <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared for him because you don't really see that type of production from rookies. 
Right. And you just know that there's a, like, if you keep going so high and playing so well, there's going to be a drop-off point at some point, right? Yeah, there is for everybody. There was going to be steep, probably. There was for IQ last year, so yeah, like... I'm not. I'm not too worried about that, though. I'm not. I'm not too concerned about that because he's not somebody that we're going to be relying on on a night in, night out basis, in my opinion. But even still, even if we did have to rely on him, like if at some point during the season there's injury, even if there is a big drop off, I'm confident in him still being on the court because I know. These guys that we watched in the summer league, but him especially, mm-hmm. even when he's not scoring, he's still impactful on the court. He's still mm-hmm. feisty on the defensive end, picking up full court. Yep. He's still going to be moving the ball around, making the right play. And that's what I, I really want to see more so than six for six from three. You know what I'm saying? I, I'd rather see you understanding what's going on in the flow of the game, getting your teammates involved, playing defense, getting stops, and just playing basketball the way that you that you want to play as a team because that's what's going to carry you through the playoffs. That's what's going to carry you through the season. Yeah. I, I well, we'll get we'll get into the overall of my of Juice's game. But I I really felt like this game even though Quentin had more points, even though he had an overall game with the points and the boards and the assists, mm-hmm. I just I just felt like Deuce was more important and was the better player, even though the plus minus doesn't agree with me. I just felt like Deuce was the guy outside of Grimes and Obi, but I thought Deuce was the guy that really showed to be the most important guy on this on this court. You know why I disagree with that? Because Deuce was that guy in the first half. Yeah. And he only scored, what, two, I mean, four points in the second half? So, yeah, he, had, it, a, he had a big, a, big, a big impact on his game. But I wouldn't say that he was the most important because of the fact that it wasn't throughout the entire game. And even with the other game when he scored 22 and 6 for 6 from 3, he had a slow start in the first half and had a monster second half. I want to see him be able to pick up where he where he leaves off and continue having that dominance on the court. And then that's when I feel like he's beginning to be like that key player on the team. While I understand what you're saying, I always feel like even when Deuce ain't scoring, he's doing something on the court to help the team win. For sure. So, yeah, you're right. He always fills it up when it comes to scoring in a half instead of for the full game. I don't know if that's by choice. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's because he's streaky. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I don't know if that's like a team concept where it's like, okay, now you've got yours. Let's give, let's let the other guys, let's get them involved. I don't know what it is, but I, I just always get the sense that Deuce is in control of his game, both offensively and defensively, and that's I, I like that. Yeah, I like now, it too. Now, 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 Grimes, Grimes definitely came out like he was trying to shut me up. Yep. With these last three games that he played, 
But, you know, overall, I still think that Deuce was the better player. So, I mentioned him earlier, but Obi continued his streak of good play. He was the only veteran from the main ball club with IQ being out with Mm -hmm. a groin strain. Obi had 21 points, four boards, two assists, and a block. Consistent. Well, like I said, there's not much, not much to really say. Like he was doing what he wanted out there. I wasn't really interested in this game, and there was nobody on the other team that I wanted to see. Unlike the next game against the Atlanta Hawks, where the Knicks had, mm-hmm. have a battle with Sharif Cooper, our and boy, the rest of the Atlanta Hawks. Jalen uh, Johnson didn't play this game, and this one had us hyped, even though. It didn't really count towards anything since we were statistically out of the playoff race to compete for the Summer League Championship. We were out from game one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because the two teams were undefeated in the end, right? Yep. Yeah, that's whack. But we were able to get our first look at Sharif Cooper. And me personally, I was kind of concerned that we were going to have to watch our first Sharif Cooper revenge game (laughs) <laughs> for not drafting him. Because even though this was our first look at him against the Knicks, we've been keeping tabs on him Yeah, coming into this game. Yeah. This is the first time I've watched him live, though. I was right. watching the highlights. Right. But he, but you could even, even if you're looking at the stats, Sharif was doing everything that we thought that he could do yep. before this game. Yeah, this game, I lost all concern over Sharif having some type of revenge game the minute I saw Miles McBride <laughs> setting the tone defensively, picking him up full court, and immediately getting the ball out of his hand and making him uncomfortable throughout the entire game. It was just from the um, like from the beginning of the game. And then Quentin Grimes is picking up where he left off with nine early points to start the game. And then Miles comes back and backs him up and has eight points to start the quarter. I'm just like, uh, I see what type of game this is about to be. This was the Miles McBride revenge game on the team <laughs> that beat his team in the playoffs before he got there. He ain't like that. <laughs> and he don't like how all these Knicks fans was, uh, I guess, go, was wanting Sharif Cooper, and we ended up having to settle for him. So yep. he wanted to shut all that down, and he just he had Sharif on and smashed this game. The whole game, too. They they pulled Sharif and didn't even bring him back in. Like, once the game was getting close to the end, it was out yeah. of hand. They, uh, what did he have? Like, four points or something? Like, he didn't have, he didn't score double digits. He couldn't pass the ball. <laughs> he couldn't do nothing. Yeah, he just he, went on the bench and was holding his leg. Like, oh, no. He got, he got dunked on by Deuce. Like, come on. Like, yeah. They ain't, Deuce ain't have to do him like that. Yeah. Dirty. He he had a point to prove, and his coach was in the uh, crowd that game too. <laughs> he dunked he he dunked on him, and then Sharif came back on the other end, and he got baited into an air ball three. I was like, yeah, Dad. yeah. And every time Deuce Dad. got the ball, he was attacking him. From the minute right. he touched the ball, he's like, "Oh, I got Sharif on me. I'm about to score every time I touch the ball." But this was in the first half, right? Yeah, yeah. Deuce. This is another game where I felt like Deuce had his fingers on the game throughout the entire game now mm-hmm. he, he he quickly was back for this game yeah he struggled badly 
And maybe he's maybe it was still an issue in regards to the groin from that he made him miss the last game. But mm-hmm. well, we got to talk about quickly later on. But but yeah, he had a bad he had a bad game. Even Obi didn't really have a great game. But the thing about them too, I was saying like, <clears throat> yeah, they struggled offensively mightily. Like the whole first half, I think quickly was what zero for ten from three. And then in the second half, he picked it up and hit them threes that were actually important at the time because Atlanta was starting to make a little run and they were starting to make a comeback. Even though they were struggling, they still stayed the course and was playing the same game. They they didn't start to panic. They didn't start to force some stupid shots trying to get into rhythm. They stayed the course, kept taking the shots that they know that they should be taking quickly, was still steady on the assists. Still steady on the passing. He he still led the. I'm pretty sure he led the summer league. I could be wrong. With seven assists, he had another no, seven was, assist game. He was number two. Who was number one? He, he, it don't even Peyton matter. Pritchard. Who was, okay, Peyton okay. Pritchard. Okay, and he had six rebounds and was still a plus fourteen on the court. Mm-hmm. And the game ain't all about efficiency and scoring. So if if quickly, who was the the spark plug off the bench where he would just come in and start scoring immediately. And that's all you would look for him to do to see him come into the summer league and still have a game where he's having an impact, even though his shots not falling. I feel like that was important a lot too. It's important. Yes. We need to be able to see quickly come in and get seven assists, eight assists against summer league players. Like we need to see that because now we can, all right, you, you've got the baseline. Now we need to bring, see you do that against NBA players, mm-hmm. against the best of the best, or not even the best of the best, against the bench units. If you do that against the bench units, even if your shot's not falling, which a lot of times when quickly shot wasn't falling, he was pr- practically useless. Uh, even when your shot's not falling, you can still be a threat to drive and kick or to kick from the, from the three-point line. And that we need him to do that. We need mm-hmm. him to do that in order for this team, in order for him to take a leap, and in order for the team to take a leap. Now, I had I was the reason I was able to tell you that Peyton Pritchard was number one is because I had I had the those stats up because I was trying to see if before this game Sharif Cooper was ahead of quick. He had like eight assists a game, and because there's only four, five, six games in in in. in you know, that these teams actually play, you know, that one game makes all the difference. Yeah. And yeah, after this game, I'm trying to find it and pull it up. But after this game, yeah, quickly leapfrogged uh, Sharif. I think Sharif was number one at a certain point. And Peyton Pritchard must have had a, had a good assist game because I don't even remember. I, I mean, I, I wasn't really following him. I was really just following Sharif and quickly because yeah. they were top two or three. Payne Pritchard dropped 92 points, a Drew League game, I think, and then another 60-point game, and then came back to Summer League for the championship game. Crazy. Yeah, Sharif had two assists in this game. On smash. So you know know that before this game, you know he was assisting well to have a two-assist game and only fall down by, like, one assist. And them two assists that he got were tough assists. Like, they were really nice. Yeah, people, people were talking about... Oh, Sharif Cooper, you, this is why he fell. We knew what his weaknesses were. He's not going to be a great defender because of his size and his shots questionable. This is one bad game. 
it was one bad game. He also didn't have he did, also didn't have any any really good NBA players. Like he was making a lot of not it wasn't even crazy passes, but his passes were like, yo, he created that out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And he got it perfectly to whoever was whoever was on the corner or wherever they were. And they were just breaking the shots. Yeah. Like he could have easily had 10 assists this game. But because his teammates kept missing and because he had deuce on him, it literally made anything he did on the court pretty much useless. Mm-hmm. I still like Cooper, especially when he's next to guys who can hit the shot. But when he's got a defender that's going to dog him the way that Deuce was, yeah, probably not going to be a good night. Now, if you got somebody who plays lax defense, Sharif's going to fill it up. He, I know this is supposed to be a Knicks specific, but because we liked Sharif, I, I, I still want to kind of talk about him and then move on. Refinish with 15, point, 15 points per game, 33% from three, 46% from the field. Which is not bad. Which is not bad numbers, considering how badly he played against the Knicks. Yeah. How bad? Considering how badly he played against us, when he he shot zero percent from three on two three point attempts, twenty seven percent to have those numbers after five games or whatever. Minus seventeen. It it, it was you know it, it goes to show you that it's just one game. It's, it's it, that did a number to his to his overall stats and his overall stats still don't look terribly bad. So I, th- I still think he's an NBA player in this league and I still want to see how the things are going to pan out for him over the season. I don't think he's going to get too many big minutes, but I think this well, tells us more we'll about Deuce than it tells, tells us about Sharif. Like Miles <laughs> McBride just took over this game and took his heart. Yeah. Oh yeah. This was, this was, even though, even though Grimes had another amazing game, mm-hmm. he found his rhythm. Which, uh, even though he had another amazing game, it still, it still was showed. Juice is just that guy, and that's why I said I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be one of those guys that are going to get those minutes over Grimes. Mm-hmm. You, you were saying last week you think Grimes is going to get, but I don't think I don't think he will. I, I think it's going to be Deuce all day. Grimes is bigger, though. Deuce yeah, got to not play by a lot. of all-stars. Grimes is, Grimes is six foot five, which is ideal two-guard two size. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, you got to – if you're going to choose who's going to play behind RJ and Alec Burks, then, yeah, Grimes is that guy. But I, I could see – I can see Tiz being like, "All right, let's throw Kev, let's throw Kevin there, because he's bigger, because he can shoot the three, because he's athletic, because he could do stuff in the fast break." Would I be supportive of that? No, I would rather see Grimes out there than Kev, but I wouldn't be mad at it either because I think Kev still can prove shit in this league. Yeah, but I, but I, because Kev can play the three or the four, and because he's bigger. I just don't think it bodes well for Grimes because there's so many guys ahead of him on the death chart. And if you think Miles McBride is the better option out of out of the two of them, it's a lot of guards ahead of him, though. <laughs> Kemba, there are Rose, D-Rose, and they're both small guards. So it's like you're mm-hmm. gonna 
play Deuce alongside other small guards, it's not going to be great recipe for your defense. Yeah, but we're but we're figuring that both Rose and Kemba are going to be hurt at some point this season, or they're going to need to rest. Today, yeah. I I don't want to I don't want to put it in the air, but they're both over thirty. They both have injury histories. I'm not going to say that they're going to play all 82 games and play in the playoffs. I have to assume that they're going to at least be rested. And that's when minutes will open up from, for, for Deuce. That's what I'm thinking. Chris Paul about to be 40. Uh, which one of these dudes is Chris Paul? <laughs> but we like, talking about age. I'm saying if, if Chris Paul, okay, who's Chris had Paul's... a history of leg injuries, and yeah. if, if D. Rose, who was able to play throughout last season after had all them history – I mean, the, the history of knee injuries he's had, I'm Come not going to just let's, count on them getting injured. Let's not, let's not compare D. Rose's injury history to Chris Paul's injury history. It was worse. Like, yeah, yeah, Chris Paul is injury prone, but that's not the same as having to be out for like two full seasons due to your, to your, to your knees. Even Kemba, Kem, Kemba's, Kemba's leg injury isn't, the same way as D Rose's is, but it's one of those things that you're always going to have to be on the lookout for. I don't think we always going to have to be on the lookout for Chris Paul's injuries. Like those are things that happen within all within sports, within basketball that you get hurt and you come back from. I, I don't think that's fair to compare. Chris Paul's been hurt every year. Absolutely. It's something different though. <laughs> it, it's, it's, yeah. And as he gets older, it's the thing that you look out for. So you kind of making my point for me, like, yeah, no, you, I'm not. You, you, get, you think Phoenix hurt? is not? You think Phoenix is not is not going to be like? Listen, we got lucky last year. We have to be on the lookout for keeping Chris Paul healthy. Like, of course they're doing that. They're not. They're not going to be like, yeah, we can play Chris Paul forty minutes a night and he's going to be fine. No, he's damn near forty. You, you have. It's always going to be on the back of your mind because of their age. The reason oh. why I'm saying it's not is mainly due to the fact that we have so much depth on the court. I mean, on the on the roster, so there's going to be a lot of like games where you, D Rose and Kemba Walker aren't going to be playing longer than 30 minutes because of the fact that we have so many options on the team that can provide meaningful minutes and not have to worry about getting them guys back on the court. Quickly could just. Prov- prove that he's hot one night and both of them guys could just rest and RJ could just take over Randall could just take over and next thing you know Obi is not going to be playing as much or Obi takes over and Randall's like we have so much pieces on this team that I'm not really concerned about injury unless it's something freak like a freak accident because I don't see too many players that's going to be playing a whole lot of minutes at least until the playoffs we're talking about Tibbs here, bro. Like Tibbs likes to get comfortable with his lineup and sticks with it. Yeah, if somebody gets hurt, if, if if whether he did or he didn't, he, he does what he does for a reason to and win. It's not because it's not because he doesn't have depth. Like the, we've seen him not play guys because not because he doesn't have depth, but because he's comfortable with the guys he's been playing with. Like we've seen Alfred Payton start for. Every single game that he was healthy for, and why? For no reason. But he's comfortable with him, so he throws him out there. Like I think it was more so because he's comfortable with quickly coming off the bench, and he didn't want to play quickly too much, so he had to play Alfred. Yeah, but he didn't have to play Alfred. He trusted <laughs> like, Alfred more like, than Frank. Like we could, we could, we can, we can, we can hypothesize about the why, but 
there were times where he played him. He, he, he didn't have to. But Frank had good games. Like, yeah, but Frank, Frank had good games. And then as soon as Elf was, hand, was healthy, all right, we're going to throw Elf back out there. Like, we. It's the reason it, for that. Elf is on the team right now. Frank isn't. Listen, I'm tired of talking. I don't want to talk about Frank until later. Like I'm just, I'm just providing the facts. That's all. Like Alfred was was trash, and still got another. He got, contract. he got, he got, he he got played because of how Tibbs likes to coach. So uh, we, have, we just have to, we just have to. He's on the Suns because he's a veteran, <laughs> and that that's pretty much it. And they were like, "Oh, you know what, Alfred? We've had history of you." Playing a certain way. Let's see if we can get you back to that. Except coming off of the bench. But we never really put Elf on the bench. Ex- had him coming off the bench ex- until the playoffs. By which time it was way too late. But anyway. I didn't even bring up. Deuce had another game where he was shot officially. 70% from the field. 62.5% from three. Which is scary. He, you thought that last game. He played. He played efficiently. Yeah. He said, "I got, I got more." Before I forget, French, did did you happen to see the mid range jumpers in these games? Yeah, yeah, I saw it this game. I, I, I every time he shot a mid E, I'm just like, all right, I'm never saying nothing about him in mid ranges again. It's over. Yeah, it was like he he was purposely hunting the mid range because he was he wasn't like it wasn't like a real midi. It was like foot on the line three, like three times he did that. Either in this game or the Cavs game, they listen to the like, pod. like, like he could have stepped back and, and and he didn't even have to step back really because he most of them were movement shots. He could have just stayed behind the three point line and shot it and probably made it. He said, "Nah, I'm gonna stand on the line and shoot it." Can't convince me that they did not listen to that last episode. <laughs> I'm convinced because everything we said, they tried to shut us up. Every right? single <laughs> thing we said, they're like, "Huh? What's next game?" Oh man. And, and and Grimes also had a great game. He shot fifty eight percent from the field and fifty percent from three. Let like the team these score dudes, again. yeah, yeah. He had he had himself a night. Uh, these dudes, yeah, twenty six points. Mm-hmm. Deuce had nineteen. Yeah, quickly nutted his way into fourteen. Pause on twenty one percent from three, sixteen percent from the field. Went three for eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> like three for fourteen from three, like quick, bro. Obi struggled too. We're not going to single him out. Obi only had eleven points. He had nine yeah. rebounds with it though. But yeah, he shot thirty three percent from the field and twenty five percent from three. Uh, this was a game where it was like some of the other dudes who we were like, we're not, we're we're not really going to talk about. They they showed up. Wayne Selden, MJ Walker. Like, Yo. They, they, um, MJ they Walker, up. I like his game a lot. Hold on. Let me look and see who the other guy I like. I wrote his name down just for this one moment. I want to give him a shout out. You're not going to be on the roster, Trey Davis. Ooh, mm. them two right there. I'm glad MJ. MJ did get a – we're going to speak about it later probably, but he got a, uh, he got a contract from the yeah. Knicks, and I'm happy about that one. I don't know about Amir Sims. I ain't seen too much of him. Knicks were able to finish this game scoring 104 to Atlanta's 85. So I said Cooper finished with like four points, but he had six points. Yeah. From the so, uh, so now that 
Summer League is complete. Knicks missed out on the championship game, even though they played one more game than every other team. Let's start off with the overall thoughts. And I'm going to start off with Obi. Obi was clearly our best player from start to finish. Mm-hmm. He only had one bad game, which was the Atlanta Hawks game. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm forgetting something else. But the Atlanta Hawks game, he scored 11 points. Pretty much every other game, he scored at least 19 points. Shot well from three for the most part. Rebounded. He got some blocks in. He did some assists. He he had three steals in the last game. Like, Obi was the overall, like, he was the the one player that I could say might have been too good for summer league because of how consistent he was because of how dynamic he was offensively. And he didn't kill us on defense. Yeah. He He was obviously our best player. He looked like he can score whenever he wanted to. He was just trying to do it within the offense offense and not uh, a set of crazy shots. Like he probably would have a year ago. Right. So I'm kind of glad that we kind of got to skip his rookie year summer league and got to see him after a full season because now it's more so just for practice and getting a, a rhythm just to get him ready for the season more so than just showing what he's capable of. And Obi was the seventh. He was impressive. Well, led the summer league, was seventh in summer league in points per game with 21 points per game. Average 44% from the field, mm-hmm. averaged 34% from three, 88%, 89% from the free throw line, had 1.3 assists per game, 8.3 rebounds per game, and almost a block per game. And, and one steal a game. And was first team all summer league. Oh, I didn't even know they did that. Mm-hmm. First okay. team more summer league. Him in uh, quickly. Okay. Well, we'll talk about quickly next. How do you? What do you think about quickly summer league? He showed that he's been working as a full, a full time point guard, and he's working to develop them skills so that he can eventually be the starting point guard of the Knicks. That's what I felt like was his purpose for coming to summer league this year, and. He's going to have and two. I'm sorry to say he was not going to be the next starting point guard. <laughs> He's going to have two all-star point guards, <laughs> former MVP, to learn this season. And what more could you ask for? A scoring guard learning from two of the, one of two of the best scoring guards, two of the best scoring guards of their generation. Mhm. So and on top of that, he has Tibbs as his coach which is going to help sharpen him up on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. So, I'm more comfortable saying that eventually, maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but quickly is going to be the starting point guard of the New York Knicks eventually. And if he's not, he's going to be the starting point guard of another team. Here, here, I I know it sounds like hate, but here's why I say that I don't think quickly is going to be that starting point guard for the Knicks. This summer league showed me that how good he looks as a point guard is heavily reliant on his ability to score. That doesn't mean that he can't get assists. He averaged 7.8 assists per game in summer league. 
He was second in summer league in assists per game. And had he not missed that Cleveland Cavalier game, maybe he could have been number one for, for all we know. He could have, you know, got 15 assists in that game and he would have been number one or something like that. But especially in that Hawks game, I felt like I just would rather see someone else run the point than quick. I want him to play make. Don't get me wrong. I want him to have a part in running the offense. But do I want him to be that number one guy bringing the ball down and running the offense offense every single time? Mm, I haven't seen anything from him that makes me comfortable to say that yet. And the reason for that is because I only liked him as a point guard when he was scoring. And in the summer league, he was probably our streakiest player. He had, what, two good games. He had one amazing game. And then he had, like, two bad ones. And he missed the game. Same Uh, could be said about Grimes. Well, since you brought him up, I guess we can talk about Grimes next. I like Grimes. I don't know if I can say the same can be said about Grimes. But maybe, maybe I can, because quickly started off with a bad game and came back with a good game. Then he came back with an amazing game. He played a good game. Then he got hurt and then he played bad again. So he started and ended with bad games. But I'm not. Well, let's not call those bad games. He had bad. They were bad games. Bad offensive games. Because that, even though he wasn't scoring the best, he was still providing. He wasn't turning the ball over a bunch. He wasn't like causing the team any harm. He just wasn't making shots. And before I forget, quickly averaged 20.2 points per game on 33% shooting, which is not ideal. 24% from three, which is also terrible. He averaged 40, 90% from the free throw line and he got to the line. He averaged 6.4 attempts per game, which is really good. Four rebounds, eight assists, one and a half steals per game. Those were his stats for Summer League. But Quentin Grimes, what I was trying to say about Grimes was it seemed just like he just needed to get into the flow of playing his game in the NBA. And once he figured out his game and his role, he took off. He, t- he took off after game four. Game four, he scored 15 points. And then after that, he had two really good shooting games. And mm-hmm. it wasn't just the shooting. It wasn't just him shooting from three. He did some mid-range. He he drove to the lane. He rebounded. He stole the ball. He passed. He he had himself he had himself a good a good final three games. But he's been doing all the other things, like the rebounding. Yeah. He's been doing that throughout Summer League. He just had his and first the showing. And the defense, yeah. He, this was just his coming out party on the off- offensive end. And right. I knew it was just a matter of time. And then once I saw he had that 15-point game and he was looking a lot more comfortable, that it was easy to just predict that his next game, he was going to show out. And then after that game, it's just like he's comfortable now. He just has to be more efficient. And he, he showed that in the very last game. So I'm comfortable betting on Quentin Grimes because the guys who were able to just 
be solid in every area of the game and can shoot the lights out. Like, I've been holding back a comparison ever since the very first game of Quentin Grimes because I don't want to come be that guy that's just making wild comparisons. But when I see him, I'm. it almost makes me think, like, every single time I see him on the court of Klay Thompson. <laughs> and when he gets the ball and you hear in the commentators, every time he touches the ball yelling, shoot, it's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Because... Even though he's not scoring efficiently and he's not hitting all his threes, he just has that form that you just, you know, it's going to go eventually. Mm-hmm. And, and once he can, starts connecting, it's hard to stop. And we saw that in the final two games. We did. Grimes averaged 15.3 points per game. Shot 41% from the field, which is good. Eh, it's all right, actually. It's It's okay. But the 40.7% from three, that's good. And he also averaged six boards a game, three assists per game. Yeah. And that that just goes to show how he can help out on other, in other areas of the court. I, I was trying to see if there was anything that Quentin Grimes did really well, like compared to other players in Summer League. I ended up looking at minutes per game and found out Obi Toppin led summer league in minutes <laughs> mm-hmm. for a reason. And then, and then number three was quickly. And then number four was Quentin Grimes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Quentin Grimes is for a reason, but he's going to be in that rotation. Yeah. Well, well, we'll talk about that. We'll about, talk about the rotation later. And, and as you indicated in the last pod, Deuce and Quentin Grimes stats for the most part line up except for minutes played and efficiency <laughs> which is why which is why I'm like so high on Deuce and and, and Miles McBride can't focus I, on I wanted I wanted to see well you can't really focus on any of this cuz it's summer league but from what I saw on the court and, and and the efficiency, I just wanted to see Miles get more minutes. But because of the position he plays and because they were trying to prioritize Emmanuel Quickly's point guard play, the minutes had to come from somewhere and it ended up coming from Deuce. All in all, though, I said Grimes had 15.3 points per game. Deuce had 15.2 on 53.2% shooting, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. 50% from three, which, which is, is incredible. <laughs> 87.5% from free throw. Which is damn near almost incredible as well. Right. <laughs> Deuce had an impressive 3.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 1.3 blocks, 1.3 steal. No, that's 1.3 turnovers, excuse me. And he had less than a block a game, but 1.3 steals. He he was my favorite, my favorite player in summer league. Yeah. Honestly, him, Obi, and Jericho Sims. Mm-hmm. Those are my three favorites. But we we'll hold off on Jericho. We'll leave him for last. I wish we could have Ro- gotten to see more of Rokas. Yeah. So Rokas was only. Supposed to play in three summer league games. 
and that's what he did. I think if the Knicks were going to be like, no, we'll we'll let you play on the main roster, he would have stayed. Yeah. But we are already so guard heavy that it's tough. It's tough, and I don't know how we're gonna like. We're gonna have Derrick Rose for three for two to three years. We're gonna have Kemba for two years. Quickly, he's still here. Deuce is gonna be here. I don't see how we're gonna open up any spots for for Rokas to get a shot next year. We don't know unless we offer him, unless we offer him like a two way contract next year, which is gonna be like it's gonna suck for him. We don't know for sure that just because we they have the contract doesn't mean that they're gonna play it out. So if, I mean, unless they unless somebody gets traded, or if Rokas just proves team, that he can be that guy. Mm-hmm. Off the bench, like have a solidified role, and he's providing something that Derrick Rose no longer can provide, or something that Kemba can no longer provide due to like just not being able to play to that level. Then yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah, we'd have to have this year would have to be pretty bad for me to say that Rokis is going to get minutes next year because it is going to be dependent on what you said. Kemba not being able to provide something. D Rose being not not being able to provide something. It's gonna have and and if that's the case, we're not gonna win that many as many games as we want it's as fans. True. No, it, it is true because this this is the, a lot of teams got better in the East. Yeah. And we have continuity. In order for us to I'm not looking even looking at fourth seed. I just want us to be within the top six. And in order for us to be within the top six, we can't be reliant on players outside of the point guard position to keep us in there. Because the reason why we felt like we could do better last year was if we had better point guard play or if we had better guard play overall. So if both D Rose and Kemba are, or one of the two are not able to provide, and now we have to ask the other point guard to to fill in that role on a on a larger basis. That's not going to bode well for us, especially going into playoffs, because we've seen what that was like last year when we had to rely on D Rose playing heavy minutes. Yeah, but we have more talent all around this year. I agree, but so do a lot of other teams. Yeah, but so them other teams, I feel like the problem with them other teams that have have gotten more talent on the roster is those guys that they picked up are going to be core pieces of their rotation. Mm-hmm. The guys that we picked up are going to be secondary players. Our main players are just going to get better. The main rotation isn't going to be too much different outside of two players. And mm-hmm. if we get great rookie play, then yeah, that's going to be coming off the bench. But we have the continuity. We got all the guys that's used to playing together. A lot of these guys like the Chicago Bulls, they got guys like DeRozan, Lonzo and all them guys who are going to have to learn to play together. Guys in Orlando are going to have to learn to play together. The guys in Washington are going to have to learn to play together. Only the top teams in Philly don't even know what the situation is going to be. In my opinion, they're getting worse. So with continuity and added talent on the roster, I can see us easily beating a whole lot of teams in the East in the beginning of the year, at least. You... You kind of 
tripped over your yourself in your argument there because you said, oh, we're only including two players in the starting lineup. That's 40% of the starting lineup, which the starting lineup gets the bulk of the minutes under Tom Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. So that that's a, that's a big chunk. You, you changed a very significant part of the core. But, right? but the two pieces that are entering the starting lineup played together last year. That is so true. They have chemistry. They, they have chemistry. And I, and I, and I don't foresee this being an issue at all because I think that they fit this team like a glove offensively mm-hmm. anyway. No, nah, even I'm not worried. Yes, but I could see us struggling defensively. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say that it's going to happen, but I can see us struggling defensively with Kemba and Evan Fournier. Mm-hmm. Team defenses, they're going to help each other out. Yes, yeah, Kemba I doesn't said, have the size, but... You you just want to disagree with me. I no, said no, no, I'm not predicting I, it. I'm just disagreeing. <laughs> I, I just said I can see it. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Okay. I'm saying I said I can foresee it. I'm not predicting it, though. I'm not I'm not going to say we're going to get worse defensively, but if we did, I'm not going to be shocked. That's yeah, so let's 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 move on from that because we still have to talk about. We we didn't even really say anything about Rokas, but Rokas played tentatively his first game. In the next two games, he's got more comfortable, and I could see him being an NBA player. But he didn't get enough minutes for us to really evaluate that. I'm gonna look forward to seeing what he does for us next season. That's all I got to say about Rokas Yokobitis. Yeah, well, those that we we got to see for a few games, but. We didn't Two. see much. We didn't Two see games. much out of him before he and got And in the injured. second game, he didn't even really play. He played, what, four minutes? Mm-hmm. So we, we really don't know anything about Luca Vildoza. I, I am curious to know how long he had that injury. I don't know if it's something where he was it was a lingering thing from the Olympics because he didn't have he didn't finish the Olympics great either. And then he came into summer league and he didn't play that well in summer league. So I don't know if if that is something where he looks worse than he actually is because he was trying to play hurt. Or jet lag. Or he was playing tired. But I I kinda wanna see what he does for the rest of the season or what the Knicks are gonna do with him for the rest of the season. Rope Quick question. Rokas didn't play during the Olympics, did he? I don't think so. I'll have to look that up. Because the time difference from Japan and uh, Las Vegas is probably kind of crazy. So I can... um, Those are trying to just adjust based on that alone. It's like a 12-hour difference, isn't it? Or a 9-hour difference? Uh, I can't... I can't figure that out. Time difference. So Rokas <laughs> played in the qualifying tournament, and I don't think his team made it into into the Olympics. But this is just a quick. Japan look is sixteen that. hours ahead of Las Vegas. Yeah, that's that's a crazy time difference. So I could like when I realized that, and I'm just thinking back to Bill Dozen, seeing how he was just playing in the Olympics, and now he's traveling over to Las Vegas where the time difference is 16 hours and having to play immediately probably they, I can I can understand why he struggled yeah I think they I think they got knocked out before yeah you got knocked out in the qualifiers yes they did they got knocked out in the qualifiers so we won't even talk about it so yeah he he he, he didn't really play in the Olympics he got a lot of free time before 
to recover. Yep. Yep. Uh, we said Luca didn't play well, great. And lastly, the last guy that we said we will talk about is Jericho. Break the walls down, Sims. <laughs> I like Jericho Sims a lot. I don't know why. Like, I wanted to see him more than everybody else, but I just love what he brought to the summer league team. Like, without him, you can just tell the difference. Even though he wasn't like a shot blocking maniac like Mitch and Nerlens, like the guys that we used to seeing, mm-hmm. he just had a presence in the paint. He had a presence on, like, whenever he was setting screens. He had a presence when boxing out. Like, he he wasn't consistent with, like, getting rebounds and boxing out, in my opinion, because he would a lot of times he would let them get offensive rebounds because he wouldn't jump and stuff like that. But for the most part, he was just solid. He was everything that you want from your, like, backup big man. So I was really impressed with him. And he jumps out the gym. Yeah, I see a lot of people comparing him to Mitch. I'm relax. <laughs> he don't have that second yeah. jump in him that no. Mitch does. No. And even even though he plays very good c- compared to where he was picked. There are a lot of technical stuff that it's not even technical stuff. There's a lot of stuff in regards to recognition on the basketball court defensively that I noticed that even rookie year Mitch was better at it than Jericho Sims. Mm-hmm. I still like him a lot. He still was very efficient. He still was grabbing boards. He still was blocking shots. And if he wasn't blocking shots, he was making it very difficult for players on the other team to, to convert the basket. Catching I got lobs. nothing. I got catching lobs, jumping way, way, way. We didn't even talk about uh, that was against the Hawks, right? Yeah. That, that, he caught that. <laughs> he looked like he was still going up. Yeah. He, he was like, damn, I might hit my head on, on the backboard. <laughs> he like, damn, I forgot yeah. I got to get back down. I forgot I got it. I forgot I have to descend now. Yeah, I'm not like, supposed to got, fly on him. They're not supposed to see me do this. He got up there. And if he can if he can figure out that aspect of the game as far as when to jump and when not to, I, he, he's going to be a problem. A, he, he's going to be a problem either on as a starter or off the bench. He already is a what is ahead of rookie year Mitch when it comes to setting screens. Mm-hmm. He can catch, he can catch lobs basically in the same area as Mitch, despite being two or three inches shorter than him. Uh, I would love to see that be our <laughs> our starter, our starter and backup lineup. You know, in two or three years, assuming that we keep Mitchell Robinson after next year. It popped into my head why I think I like him so much. Because I just see Jericho Sims being that type of big man that throughout the regular season, he's going to put up eight points, nine rebounds. He's not going to do nothing spectacular. He's just going to play his role. But in the playoffs, when it's crunch time and you are just looking for your big man to just be solid, 
and then you end up seeing some people star into their role. I feel like Jericho Sims is going to be that the the type of big man that can just have a, a a huge playoff game, a huge playoff series, and just shine in the playoffs. Remember like how Bismack Biyombo did on uh, the Raptors that one playoffs where he just went crazy and got a big contract in the summer. Mm-hmm. Jericho Sims reminds me of that type of big man. I can see that from him. Like if we get to the playoffs in two three years and he's the backup big man because. Nerlens is on another team. We got Mitch and him. And then he just shows up crazy in the playoff one game and wins us a series. I'm just like, damn. I called it on the Next Take Podcast, episode 22. But, yeah. A lot of a lot of people <laughs> calling stuff today. My homeboy was like, you're going to remember our, uh, August 21st, 2021, the Knicks are going to make the conference finals. I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised. And they that that comes off as like Knicks fan, like uh, what's that thing that they be calling us? <laughs> Delusion that we always say we gonna make the finals. No, I, this year I can one hundred percent see us getting to a conference finals if we ha- if everything goes our way. Like you see how everything went the Hawks way last year to the point where they got the CC the Sixers in the in the second round and then mm-hmm. Ben Simmons just didn't show up and then they got to get past them in six and go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I can see something like that for us. I can see it. Am I going to go as far as predicting it? No. no. I'm not that confident in this team. No. Specifically... Specifically because we need to see what certain players do if they take the leap i will 100 percent make that prediction before the all-star game but until we see what happens when this team comes together in the first few weeks i'm not gonna i'm not gonna jump out the window just yet i am i could predict that we get home court in the playoffs though i'm comfortable making that prediction i'm not sure i'm comfortable making that prediction either but it's not far-fetched. We did it last year, so can we get there again? If everybody makes the appropriate adjustments or even not even make the leap, but just play the way that they did last season, mm-hmm. yeah, because I think we've improved on the margins. We got so better. That, that should be that. No, we definitely got better. But... Yeah, it, that's why I say improved on the margins because it wasn't like we did a big home run swing or whatever. Like we got Kemba, we got Evan Fournier, and we and it seems like all of the rookies that are coming to play for us this season, they're all going to contribute in some form or fashion if they get playing time. Even if they don't get playing time in practice, they're going to provide a spark that's going to have to light a fire under the uh, under the guys who are playing. They're going to be. They're going to have better competition to practice against, which is going to help them in right. the NBA games throughout the regular season and help them in the playoffs. Especially Deuce. Deuce in the practice facility going up against Kemba. That's preparing Kemba to go up against a, a thigh. So what's some other good defenders? Uh, Marcus Smart. When he has to face them, guys, he he's used to practicing against Deuce McBride and Quentin Grimes. Like, bro. Yeah, that's, that's not going to be easy for. practice. It's not going to be easy. Yeah. It's going to be rough practice. Mm-hmm. All right. So free agency, <laughs> I guess it was not done. 
Not that the Knicks acquired anybody that's going to make a big difference, but we found out a lot of things in regards to the guys that we knew were going to join this team. And also last week, we didn't really cover some of the other free agent news that broke last week. So I decided this week we're going to just quickly go through everything and explain certain things and talk about the players that we acquired this year. We're going to start with the rookie Quentin Grimes signed his rookie scale contract. He's going to make 11 million over four years with a fifth year qualifying offer. Jericho Sims signed a two way contract, which is important. Two way contracts are ways for the NBA teams to get above their 15 player limit during the regular season. They can offer up to two players, a two way contract that will allow them to play in both the NBA and the G league. Two-way contractor players can only spend up to 45 days with the main team. The rest of the contract must be spent in the G League. Sims deal is for two seasons. Or you have to waive somebody and sign them for the rest of the year. Right. Which the Knicks did last year. Yep. Knicks only used one two-way contract which on Jericho Sims, which means they have another two-way contract. Bring Theo Real. home. Good. <laughs> Theo didn't get, didn't sign. He was somewhere with else? the he was with the Milwaukee Bucks, but for the summer league, oh. he's a free agent now. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, this you want to know what my my. Unless he's too old. You want to know what my theory was? The only thing is that I don't know if financially the Knicks can do this. But I know that the Knicks can open up a roster spot by doing this. I'm listening. The Knicks currently have Luca Vildoza in an unguaranteed contract. Where So I was thinking... Look at Vildoza meets the criteria for two-way contract. Why don't they waive him? Sign him to that two-way contract. And then somehow they can acquire Frank Nilakina and make him the 15th player. <laughs> I don't think it's happening. I'd be happy. Bring Frank back, bro. You got one more spot. And if you make Luca Vildoza a two-way player... They can't because they can't do it with Frank because he's already played too many too many years in the league. <laughs> put Lu, Luke, put Luca Vildoza on that two way contract. Give him an opportunity to show what he can in G League and in spot minutes during regular season, and then bring Frank back. You you already know what he can offer. You know what he can provide. You lost Reggie Bullock. Who's going to fill that role of three and D besides Quentin Grimes? I just don't know that they can. Free up the money to do that. So, yeah, I'm a. I'm a I just want to see him. I just, advocate. I just want to see my boy on an NBA team, man. So, Deuce McBride signed a three-year contract, and we're doing this in the order of how these of the player signings. Mm-hmm. Deuce McBride signed a three-year contract with the third year being a team option for close to three million dollars. Nerlens Noel. We should have talked about Nerlens Noel contract last year because. During our free agency podcast, I was a little upset that the Knicks offered him $10 million a year. 
His deal actually is not 30 million over three years. It's 27 million with the third year being a team option. The, co- the contract contains unlikely bonuses that would get him that extra three million. So instead of him making three mil that first year, the New Orleans is making closer to nine mil. It's more like 8.5 mil that first year. Am I, am I 100% happy that the Knicks like started off? We're going to give Nerlens Noel, however much money. Nah, not really, but this is still a lot better than what I was originally thinking because it freed up money for them to get other players. Oh, shoring up that center position. Yes. In case of injuries happening again this year. Well, yeah, we we got Mitch, we got Nerlens Noel, we got Taj Gibson, and then we got Jericho Sims. Like I, I think that the five spot was not one that we should have been worried about. But I did. I'm not we mad had at a it. A lot of injuries last year to the fives. I mean, between Nerlens and Mitch, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though even... Pell got hurt. <laughs> yeah, but it was for like 30 seconds. Like <laughs> yeah, we had some bad juju with our centers last year. That's true. That's true. But, you know, with with Jericho Sims, I think we could have been – we could have tried to play that a little bit loose. If we needed to pick up somebody midseason, then we could have did that, I think. Anyway. Wait, wait, so, wait. Before we um, – Jericho Sims being the only player in some league to rest, kind of like that – that, that was kind of a head-scratcher to me. What do you think? You think there's something behind that? You think maybe he's not really in the best of shape? No, no, no. I don't think it's about shape. I, I don't know if he has, like, some injury history that we should be concerned about because for the, him to be the one player to be resting in summer league, I'm like... But him being on the two-way definitely gives us some more insurance. So I'm I'm fine with the Netherlands signing, and I love Sims. So him mm-hmm. basically taking over Novell Pels, but... I'm happy with, but I just thought I should mention that because that was kind of strange. Right. Yeah, that was kind of strange. So we started off this pod talking about Kemba Walker. He signed a two-year fully fully guaranteed contract for $18 million. No options, neither team nor player option. No guarantee, no non-guarantee, or you know anything like that. Addition, additional, no trigger dates. Just straight up, we're gonna pay you nine mil a year. You're welcome. That's respect. I like that. So, he essentially gave up two million dollars to come play for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. The contract details for Evan Fournier's contract. He was acquired from Boston via sign and trade. We received two future second round picks and gave the Celtics a 17 million traded player exception. And yeah, you don't really need to think too much about that. Y'all the TPE is basically, you can use this amount of money to sign a player or multiple players with your exception. You just have to use it with before the year is over. So, or make a trade for a player and then, because Roll you have the exception, it doesn't have to you can be match right. salaries. Right. So 
That is really helpful for Boston. And if they decide that they want to swing a significant trade in midseason, they can now do so. That's going to be helpful for them. We received the New Orleans Hornets top 55 protected 2023 pick. Not great. It's just a trade. And the worst of these two picks. This is going to be sound confusing. The worst of OKC or Washington's second round pick or the better of Miami or Dallas's second round pick. Whichever pick is worst out of all of those, that is what the Knicks will get. Which I don't mind either. We got we have a full rotation of players. We don't really need Well the to picks be... are the picks are trade fodder. Like we're not we we weren't picking up these we we don't have we got I don't know how many second round picks, but we have a lot of second round picks and it's not so that we can make draft picks. It's right. for trades. Yeah. It's for trades, whether it be to trade into the next season or to trade for a player, to bolster a package, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they're for. Yeah. Very little value, but if you add a bunch of them together, they could have a little bit of value. Fournier's contract is a four-year deal starting at $18.6 million, which includes $6 million in bonuses throughout the entire contract. So even though we, I just said it's $18.6 million, his first year, if he doesn't get those incentives, it's really going to be $17.1 million. So that's, that's pretty ideal. And now some some uh, footage on him. He's looking worth every single dollar. He's probably going to be a more impactful signing than Kemba. When we look back at this season, I feel like because he's really, really talented. He's a big shot maker. He, yeah. Yes. He provides more defense than Kemba does. Mm. I feel like he's going to be a really, really important player for us this year. I think he's going to be a very important player for us. I think he's better than, well, it's not saying much. He is better than Reggie Bullock as a player, as an overall player. He provides, he provides more offensively. And even though he doesn't provide the defense that Reggie Bullock pro- pro- provided, I, I am comfortable in saying that the Knicks starting lineup is better because it includes him instead of Reggie Bullock. Yeah. There's a lot of people saying, oh, maybe the Knicks signed him for too much money. He is getting paid worse than what he should, in my opinion. Yeah. He's not getting paid. It's not like we're paying him. I don't even think he's getting paid starter money with that. Like 17.6. It's not a starter level money. Like that's, that's, that's end of your starting rotation, start of your bench rotation money. Like that's a six six man money. Like that's, I'm not mad at that. I'm not I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at get, at paying him seventeen point six for the first year. He's he plays above that in my opinion. He shoots well. He play makes. He he's a good player. He he was he's asked to do a lot of things that he shouldn't have been asked to do in Orlando. And then he came into Boston, and Boston, the way they run their offense is a little shaky. I think that when he comes to, to the Knicks, when he plays for the Knicks, it's going to be – you guys are going to see why they signed him to that contract. 
and you're going to be like, damn, that was a bargain. Yeah. Mark my words. He's going to provide for us what we wanted Austin Rivers to provide last year. <laughs> yeah, actually, I agree with that. He's going to be steady on offense. He's going to provide effort on defense. He's going to provide secondary playmaking, shooting. He's just going to be very steady. You're not going to have too many, if any, plays where you're like, what what, what was that? <laughs> you're not going to be questioning his decisions because he makes good decisions on the court. And he is a... Specifically when you're, he's not being asked efficient to player. be the primary playmaker which he he's going to be. be he's going to be our third or fourth option on the court behind Kemba Julius Randle and uh, he'll, he'll be splitting that third spot I think with RJ it's going to it, it's not going to be a real number 3 it's going to be RJ and it's going to be Evan Fournier depending on matchups and depending on who it looks better doing it. Yep. Taj Gibson, about three days ago, the Knicks restructured his contract. They were going to give him a vet's minimum within you know, the team's salary cap. Knicks decided, nope, we're actually going to offer you the full room exception for $10.1 million over two years. Now, the room exception is is a four point. I think it's 4.8 exception that teams can use teams who are under the salary cap coming into the season, which the Knicks were teams who are under the salary cap can use that to sign players once they have reached their cap limit. So Taj is going to make more money than what he was going to make with the veterans overall. And the Knicks were able to sign him once they had reached their salary cap and are able to guarantee him two years. Actually, I think the second year might not be guaranteed, but even still, it's a two-year contract as opposed to the one year that he's been getting. And that is how you incentivize and repay players who have been vital, vital have played a vital role into your team. Like, Knicks didn't have to do that. But they did, because Taj was key for us last year as that third string center. Mm-hmm. And he's vital in terms of chemistry in the locker room, veteran yep. leadership. Yeah. If you want Obi Toppin to be one of the most productive play- players on your team, he's going to be learning from Taj Gibson and Nerlens Noel. So all the experience that Taj Gibson has gotten over the years, he's passing that all down to Obi. Right. Everything that he knows, he's going to be passing down to Obi to help him become a better NBA player. I'm, I'm happy to see him coming back. And Can you imagine if the Knicks win a championship with Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson and Tibbs? That's going to be one of the greatest NBA stories, I feel like, in my opinion. French. Wishful thinking. French, yo. You popping popcorn over there? <laughs> it's raining. <laughs> I can't do nothing about that. Oh man, I, I'm like, yo, it's, it's raining. It's raining that hard. Like, damn. Everybody I know got an Amber Alert. 
We got a state Weather of emergency watch. going on. Yeah, it's supposed to be a big hurricane. They're talking about clearing the area, but I paid too much rent for that. <laughs> Hopefully the uh, the Wi-Fi don't shut out while we're recording. Nah, we, we got this. All right, quick, we'll quickly breeze through this because we still got a little bit to talk about. <laughs> yeah, because I'm getting Rose, nervous now. Derek Rose was signed. Alec Burks was signed. Knicks then signed Dwayne Bacon and Amir Sims to contracts. Now, these contracts, I believe, are both Exhibit 10, but I'm not entirely sure. Dwayne Bacon's contract is definitely has includes an Exhibit 10 clause. What is Exhibit 10? Exhibit 10 contracts are offered to players to allow them to join the main roster for training camp and allow them to join that team's G League roster once training camp is over without being poached by another team. So basically, Dwayne Bacon is not going to be in that one of those 15 players. Yeah. He's not even going to be one of the 17 players because they didn't offer him a two-way because he's not eligible for that. Yeah. So basically, this is just a way for the Knicks to pay Dwayne Bacon, have him part of the team for during training camp, and then have him play for the G League team. Yeah. I believe Amir, Amir, oh I believe God, Amir God. Sims. I believe Amir Sims also has an Exhibit 10. And you were about to say what? Another strong defender to help the guys get ready throughout preseason. Yep. And then he's going to head down to the G League. I want to. I'm actually interested to see the G League Knicks this year. Yeah, I think the guys that are on two ways and uh, Quentin Grimes is probably going to be down there if he's not a part of rotation. Deuce McBride's probably going to be down there if they're not part of rotation. So I'm going to be really wanting to see because this was like my favorite summer league to watch ever. And MJ Walker is probably going to be down there, too, because he was just signed to a contract yesterday, which is also probably going to be either Exhibit 10 or he's part of the Knicks. He's probably going to join during be there during training camp and then go to the G League. He's part of this. He was part of the summer league team. So and now the Knicks have 19 players out of 20. So they can add one more player if they want. Frank Nilekina. And add Frank to the G League team. Fuck it. <laughs> what happened to Miles Powell? He's not on the team no more, right? I don't think he is. Yeah, give give Frank his spot. So this week, Knicks held a press conference for Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, which I didn't know nothing about it. I got a text from you saying, yo, the Knicks got a press conference today. Yeah. I completely missed it. I ended up watching it later that night. But Fat Joe was there. Yep. In a Kemba jersey. Yep. They did, gave Kemba a nice coming home service. Evan Fournier was there too. <laughs> it, it seemed more like the Kemba Walker show with Evan Fournier. Because, to be expected, though. Because because basically Kemba grew up here. He's a Bronx native. Former grew up, in the, grew up in the city. Had a lot of crazy moments in the garden before becoming a player. And even... Uh, even in the NBA, he's had some crazy moments in the garden. Yeah. You know, this is this is kind of how how you have to do it. They had a little press conference. Then they took some questions at the end. Kemba Walker claimed to be super healthy. Felt like it was the best he felt as good as he's felt in a long while because he didn't play as much. He missed he missed the playoffs. He didn't play do anything during the off season. Didn't play in Olympics or anything like that. So, uh, 
I don't remember anything for, from Evan Fournier that was particularly notable. I do. What was that? The fact that Kemba was such a team player that even in the press conference, he kept giving glowing reviews about Fournier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't asking him no questions. There was all questions pointed towards Kemba, and he kept bringing up Evan Fournier to, like, show, like, he's going to be a big part of this team, too. He's going to provide something for this team that y'all are just glancing over that right now because it's my press conference, but he's been showing out, and he's going to show up this year. He's been wanting to play for this team, too. Just ask him some questions, and to see that in the very first press conference, I'm just like, yo, this is going to be a beautiful season. Because if he's doing that in the very first press conference at home, where he's from, where he's been wanting to play for years, passionate about, and he still don't want the moment to be about himself, he's still trying to bring his teammates involved. Like, that, this season, we're going to see Kemba as a leader for the first time, and we're going to see why he had that great team chemistry. If we don't bring back Theo Pinson, I could see Kemba filling his role beautifully as well as being the starting point guard. I remember Kevin Kemba even saying that, you know, making sure to note we're we're going to fit in because we are not selfish players. We mm-hmm. both, we both want to pass. We both want to give the ball up. We don't need yep. the ball in our hands, right. which is, which is what you want to hear. Be said, but you want to hear that. Want to hear that? We're, we're not going to be worried about oh who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna have the ball in their hands. No, like Julius Randle probably needs the ball in his hands, but he you can give it to Kemba, and you know that he's gonna pass it out, pass it out if he needs to, or he's just gonna play decoy and let Julius get the space that he needs to get to the rim or to pull up from three or from the mid range. And Evan Fournier is also a threat, so I'm just really excited to see how this is going to play out during the regular season. I'm so glad there's only two weeks left of August, man. I can't wait to get into September and start this preseason up and then get into October and then start the regular season, man. I just want to see this team on the court already. All right. So we're going to finish up and then uh, we're going to close up. Next season schedule, regular season is announced. Mm Mm-hmm. Knicks open up against the Celtics, the Boston Celtics, on October 20th. We found out 11 of the Knicks' first 19 games will be at home. 12 of the first 17 games are going to be against the non-playoff teams from last season. 29 Knicks games will be nationally televised. When's the last time that we had that many nationally televised games? I mean, it's a great accomplishment, but I'd rather watch Mike Breen and Claude Frazier at MSG said every Nick fan who saw <laughs> that we have 29 nationally televised games. Like if we're going to be nationally televised on ABC and all that, put Mike Breen and Doris Bergen and I'll be happy. <laughs> if, if you're going to force us to watch these games there. Right. Yeah. I would rather, yeah. Put them on. Don't put mm-hmm. on, don't do no dumb ish. Like Richard put, Jefferson. Like, that's no, exactly who I was going to say. Please do not put Richard Jefferson on. There. Don't put please, none God. of these. The, even if Terrible. you're going to put a comedian, like, put Channing Fry there. I'd be oh, happy. Yeah, to we see never Channing even, Fry. we didn't even talk about uh, announcing that last, Some that last game. game. Right? That would, yo, I would, <laughs> They, the Knicks need to bring him up, yeah. the former, former Nick Channing Fry. Let him announce some games, you know. Let him be the, <laughs> yeah. let him be Clyde, you know. Once Clyde retires or whatever, I am right. down for that. 
Channing Fry is a, a comedian, man. And uh, Alan Hahn is like uh, Alan Hahn. You hear me? I'm making like Alan. Alan Hahn is Alejandro. Uh, it's seeming to shoot up the ESPN ranks. If 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 you really want to give him a look, give him a look on them ESPN Nick games. Let him be commentating on those games too. I don't right. want to hear n- none of these other guys. Please spare me. <laughs> Please. So this year is going to feature the NBA's 75th anniversary. I was looking on the site. They said, oh, 75th anniversary of the first game, which I think is on November 1st, but they're going to have about five anniversary games. Knicks are going to be in three of them. I wonder what kind of jerseys they're going to have for that. It's probably going to be like the original classics. Yeah. A classic oh, yeah, yeah, Knicks jersey. Right. Those that those that just got leaked. You're right. The Raptors, who weren't part of the league until '95, but there was a Toronto team that was before that. I think they were called the Huskies. Yeah. That's probably what the Raptors are going to wear. And the Knicks will play the Raptors on November 1st. The Knicks will then play the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, on December 14th. And last, they'll play the Celtics on December 18th. And lastly, Knicks face the Atlanta Hawks on Christmas on Christmas Day. Hey, at noon. That's going to be a beautiful way to start Christmas. Let's get payback on them. At home, I'm with it. That's going to be an intense game right there. For sure. Because you know what the storyline is going to be. Is Julius going to show up? You know, are, are the Knicks going to show that they're a fluke? Is Atlanta going to show that they're a fluke? Like, who's going to come out? That's going to be a good game. That might. I I could see that happening for sure. The fact that none of them playoff games went to overtime still astounds me. Because those were competitive games. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to think about the playoffs. Um... (laughs) All right, so. It was tough. Yeah, would you. So, me and French were discussing. Before we started recording. So originally season one of the Knicks take podcast, I was saying should go to 25 episodes. We're at episode 22, which means that we somehow got to come up with three more episodes before we decide to call, have a break and then wait for the next due to how do I want to phrase this French? Our father, Ayaka, we brought him up on a podcast before. He's been going through a lot of difficulties due to his illness. Mm-hmm. He's in what's he's supposed to be in hospice care right now, but he's decided to like live his final days out at home. So right now it's just a lot going on. <laughs> it's a lot going on outside of the Knicks world. So... It's it's. I don't know if that's how I would have phrased it, but I, that, that's the only yes. way I could phrase it. My bad. But yeah, there's a lot of things with our dad who, you know, the way things are right now, we just have to enjoy the time that we have with him, um, which could be for a while, could not be, but we we can't guarantee that we're going to be able to record. Over the next few weeks, even even the next three weeks, which would be 
up to 25 episodes. We can't guarantee that. So there's a possibility that this is the last episode of season one of the Knicks Take podcast. If you don't see anything from us next week, just assume that that we're we're not going to put out anything until October. We'll definitely right. update y'all on the socials. Keep checking the Twitter, the Knicks Take Twitter. Um, keep checking that. Keep checking Facebook. We'll we'll let y'all know. But like I said, if you don't see us it randomly Sunday, Monday, Tuesday comes out, you don't see nothing from us. Just assume that season one is over, and just be on the lookout for us on October. I think that's all we can say. Sounds like the rain is starting to attack French at his home, <laughs> so we're gonna get out of here. I've got nothing to plug, French. I'm ready to unplug. <laughs> All right. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Please say prayers for our father, Ayaka. Love Thank you, you. Love you, Dad. We love y'all for listening. Thank y'all for love listening. Y'all. All over the world, y'all listening from. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Peace. We're going to see y'all either in the next episode or see y'all for season two. Either way, when we see y'all, it's the same love and energy, and we're going to be better off next time. Season two is gonna be nasty. I know that for sure, though. Nasty. Go, it's gonna be, it's gonna be intense. We are gonna come into season two with, just, just be on the lookout. You'll see. All right, sign out before we get you get hit struck by lightning or something. Oh uh, yeah. Peace. <laughs> Peace. That intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at the Knicks take you can also find us on instagram facebook and youtube thank you for listening